There's one striking parallel with what we've just heard in our reading this evening regarding Moses and the people described there and what we are doing right now. This evening, as we gather to hear the gospel of our salvation, as a direct parallel to what Moses and the people were doing, it was a matter of life or death. So too, at this very moment, as we gather here together, some of you are looking to Christ alone to save you, and some, I fear, continue to look elsewhere. What a blessed picture is set forth for us in Numbers chapter 21, which very blessedly in type and shadow portrays the substance of what the Apostle Paul would later write, how that our Heavenly Father hath made he who knew no sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. Our Heavenly Father imputed the trespasses of his people to his beloved Son. What an appropriate symbol of such a solemn and fearful thing. God's own son was made to be guilty of the sin of serpents, vipers like you and me. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. pick up reading there in verse 33. These are the words of our Lord and God recorded by the Apostle Matthew. Our Lord is speaking here and he declares, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacchias, Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. May the Lord grant us grace to do just that, to rejoice in the name of the Lord and say, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Our Lord declared, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. May the Lord grant that I do just that, that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and instructed God's people 
to look and live. May the Lord of all grace enable me to hold forth Christ Jesus, our Lord, to our view once again tonight and command needy sinners like you and like me to look to him and be saved. Our Lord declares, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the, son, of, of the only begotten Son of God. Now before we enter upon our study in our text in the book of Micah, we're going to not begin our study in Numbers just yet. I'm still waiting on some things. Just a few words. First off, I don't pretend to be an authority upon any book of the Bible, or for that matter, an authority upon the Bible itself. My dear friends, there is only one authority for this book, and that authority is the Lord Jesus Christ. I have heard of men that dare to claim to themselves such titles as Master of Divinity, and yet do not observe the absurdity of such a title. What did our brother Paul say? To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and unto the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Well, this book, God's Word, the Bible, be the savor of death unto you or the savor of life. Everyone here this evening is going to remember this message. Now, by that, I don't mean my outline or my text. Rather, I mean the message of this book, that salvation is of the Lord. Those who go to heaven will thank our Heavenly Father for him. And those who go to hell will curse him for the very day they heard of the blessed name of his only begotten Son, Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul rightly asks, who is sufficient for these things? Whose shoulders are broad enough to carry the load of such an unspeakable responsibility? Who is sufficient for these things? Well, no one is, save Christ. Beloved, our sufficiency is Christ, and he is our authority. What do I mean by that? Simply this. If you want to understand this book, God's Word, look and listen to him. Only him. Christ Jesus, our Lord, is the only authority we have on the Word of God. He is the authority of this book. And he declares that the scriptures are they which testify of him. In John chapter 5, verse 39, he sets forth very plainly where so-called Bible teachers go amiss, where the blind lead the blind, that both shall fall into the ditch of hell. The puffed up, unconverted nobody vainly thinks that eternal life, indeed salvation, is found in the proverb and precept of this book. Not at all. 
My friend, salvation is found in the person of the book. And our Lord tells us who that person is. Speaking of the scriptures, he tells us plainly and distinctly, these are they which testify of me. I love the way a faithful minister of the gospel put it. Our Lord, when he stood before those hypocritical Pharisees, those that took away the key of knowledge, indeed the key of salvation from the people, our Lord intimated openly and plainly, do you want to know what God's word is about? Well, you're looking at him. (laughs) The whole book's about me. The apostle records our Lord declaring to the unbelieving Pharisees, had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you will not, but if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe, how shall you believe my words? How vitally important it is that we look upon this book, indeed the writing of Moses and all of God's word, with a view to Christ and the salvation he accomplished for his people. May the the Lord enable us by his spirit to come to him, that every one of us gathered here this evening would hear and learn of the Father, that we may come to the only Savior for sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. We dare not read this book as a history book, but rather we should read it as an H-I-M, hymn book tracing in it the testimony of God's people and how it is that the Lord saved and is saving his people. We see written in the pages of God's word in the lives of his people then, the same story of redemption he is writing in the lives of all of his elect, both Jew and Gentile. Now, please open your Bibles with me to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. And I'll begin reading there in verse 1. Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the great gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat, My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net, that they may do evil with both hands and both with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward, and the great man he uttereth his mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. And the day, the day of the watchman and of thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father and the daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. We'll conclude our reading there.
I pray the Lord enabling to hold forth to our view this evening the gospel of Christ under these three headings that we can see in verse 7. Look, wait, and although the word is not there, it is inferred, ask. Micah chapter 7, verse 7, we read in the first part these words. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. Everything that went before explains this word, therefore. We read in Micah chapter 7, verse 1, the prophet lamenting his sin. Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the great gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. What a statement. Woe is me. The prophet Micah uses the same words of the prophet Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am undone, cut off, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In the light of Christ, our Heavenly Father puts a sinner like you and me into the light and countenance of his well-pleasing son. And when he does that, the only thing a sinner like you and me can say is, woe is me. When God loves you, if God loves you, he'll show you what you are before him in the light of Christ Jesus the Lord. Now he does this in love, not wrath. Keep your place in Micah and turn with me to Jeremiah, chapter 29. In verse 11, rather, chapter 30. Chapter 31, verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. We read these words. Indeed, God's word declares, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Notice it does not say, therefore in wrath have I drawn thee, but beloved, in loving kindness he has drawn us. Beloved, the word of God declares, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Our Heavenly Father brings us to Christ in loving kindness, according to his eternal, everlasting never-changing love. And in loving kindness, he shows us in the light of the gospel, in the light of Christ, his beloved Son, as we behold him and look to him who knew no sin, that he was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. What a miracle, what mercy, when the fulfillment of the prophet takes place 
And a sinner is powerfully drawn of the Father to come to his darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember what our Lord declared? It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Sinner, salvation is having the Father draw you in loving kindness to come to his Son for salvation. In fact, you would not know anything of your desperate need to be saved if God, the Holy Spirit, had not revealed to you the things of Christ, how it is that he is the only one well-pleasing in the Father's sight, and united to him in the body of his flesh through death, he presents you, beloved, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Our Lord declared the work of the Holy Spirit in our salvation when he declared, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Father brings us to Christ. The Spirit testifies of Christ. And the Son very blessedly tells us that we did not choose him, but in the eternal covenant of grace, in the everlasting covenant of the gospel, he chose us. Do you love God? Beloved, we love God because he first loved us in his Son before the foundation of the world. And now, beloved, in the light of God's well-pleasing Son, what do you see? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. And you'll see there the same woe of Micah, the same woe of Isaiah, just expressed a little bit differently, but make no mistake. My brother Paul and all of God's people cry out the same woe. In verse 24, we read from God's word, Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? In the light of Christ, as I ever behold him. Notice what our brother, the Apostle Paul, says here. Oh, wretched man that I am. He does not say, oh, wretched man that I was. In the light of Christ, as we look to God's Son alone to save us, that's all we see. The wretchedness we are before the thrice holy God. God's people ever cry out, Who shall deliver me from my ruin? Who shall deliver me from my sin? Who shall deliver me from the eternal death that I so richly deserve? Thanks be to God. The answer very blessedly is set forth for us in the next part of this portion of God's word. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Beloved, how, how we ought to rejoice and give thanks to our Heavenly Father, for it is through the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the virtue of his life and the virtue of his blood-atoning death, Christ Jesus the Lord shall deliver his people from their body of death.
Look there at our verse in chapter 7 of Micah again. Verse 7. Beloved, all I see in me is a ruined, wretched man. I don't want it that way, but that's all I ever see. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I don't rejoice in me. I rejoice in him who loved me and gave himself for me. I rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in my flesh. I have confidence in his flesh and the work performed in him. The prophet Isaiah declares, Thus saith the Lord, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Beloved, look unto the Lord and be ye saved. All right, now that we've considered the first part of our portion, that we are to look unto the Lord Jesus Christ, for there is salvation in no one else, beloved, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let us proceed with the next part of the verse in Micah chapter 7, verse 7, and, and look under our second heading. We've just looked at look, and there's another blessed word here, beloved, wait. Wait. I will wait for the God of my salvation. What a blessed instruction this is for those who by God's undeserved grace find themselves looking to Christ alone to save them. Looking to Christ alone to save them. Although we're prone to look away, aren't we? <laughs> but when we look, beloved, we don't fret. We don't feel anxious. God's people wait for the God of their salvation to save them. The blessed comfort and rest of the gospel is right here in this verse. Beloved, wait for the God of your salvation. It doesn't read, wait for God to do his part, and he'll wait for you to do yours, and you'll be saved. Very blessedly, God's word tells us, indeed, tells a hopeless sinner like you and a hopeless sinner like me to wait on him. Now, what do I mean by hopeless? I mean, if salvation depended on me in the slightest, I have no hope. But blessed be the Lord, salvation is of him. He has shown me that he is a savior that shall save. And so I wait for the God of my salvation to save me. Have you ever found yourself waiting for someone to do something for you? It's our natural inclination to say, well, I'm not waiting anymore. I don't see this happening, so I'll take matters into my own hands. I'll get this done myself. Well, friend, don't ever do such a thing when it comes to your salvation. If you have ears to hear, hear the words of our Lord. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 
verse 16. Again, this is the words of our Lord that we're going to read. Matthew begins there in verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let's see if I can convey this, what this waiting on the Lord is. This waiting on the Lord is really believing on the Lord. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. We'll reread the portion we heard just a moment ago read by Brother Tyler. It's a small portion. But it contains everything a sinner like you and a sinner like me. I just pray the Lord will bless the reading of it to the hearts of his people here this evening. Look and live. Look and live. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Just as Moses told the people, look to the bronze serpent and live. This is my task this evening. But you'll not do it. You'll not do it unless our Heavenly Father draw you with loving kindness, unless the Holy Spirit testifies of all the blessed things of our Lord. What blessed things? Well, in part, that the Lord Jesus Christ shall save his people from their sins. That once he gives you life, it is never to be taken away from you. The Holy Spirit quickens his people to hear the voice of our Lord Jesus, declaring to them personally and powerfully, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Friend, if you find yourself in possession of this eternal life, the Lord gave that to you. You didn't give it to yourself. So sure is this salvation that you can't even take yourself out of your hands. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And look there with me at uh, verse 38, the first part there. We read the Apostle Paul, indeed God's word declares, For I am persuaded. What a blessed way to say, God taught me. God has shown me. God has revealed this to me. Friend, if God be your teacher, you'll be persuaded just as all of God's people are. They can say with Paul, verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, he keeps us by his power. And the Holy Spirit quickens you to rest and believe on Christ, that he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And we rejoice to glorify him as our Lord and God, saying, singing, and confessing to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Now, we've just looked at two words in our text, look and wait. As I stated at the beginning, the, the third word is not written, but it is inferred, ask. In Micah 
chapter 7, the latter part there, verse 7, we read these five words. My God will hear me. Now this looking, this waiting, doesn't happen by the volition of man. Man, by nature, is fallen. Left to himself, all he'll do is choose a false god to worship. Now what do I mean by this? Turn with me to Psalm 110. Look there with me in verse 3. This looking to Christ, this waiting to Christ, is because God makes his people willing in the day of his power. Psalm 110, verse, verse 3. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, and the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. Friend, you and I are born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. And if God be pleased, and only if he be pleased, he will make you willing in the day of his power, willing to look to Christ and be saved, to behold the beauties of God's beloved Son, that from the womb of the virgin to the day he gave his lifeblood as a ransom for his people, he had the dew of a perfect man, a holy and upright man, and lived the life and died the death that his people could never do to the full and complete satisfaction of our Heavenly Father and the righteous demands of his holy law. Praise the Lord. Through his beloved Son, he has taken away his reason for wrath through our mediator, Christ Jesus the Lord. Looking to him, beholding him, we behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world, the world of his elect. He has redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Friend, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Our Lord very blessedly instructs us how we may entreat his heavenly Father, asking him as we ought, desperately asking for and needing the gift of the Holy Spirit. God give you grace to both hear him and understand his teaching. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. I'll begin reading there in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be thy, thy thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, 
and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Friend, first, has he made you to see what you are in the light of the gospel of his dear son? That's all I see in myself. Evil. But here comes the gospel. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? What will you ask your heavenly Father for? I trust that you will use the words of the disciples. Save me, I perish. Save me by and through the blood and righteousness of your beloved Son. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I'll begin reading there in verse 7. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, Will, get, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Once again, the gospel is seen here in verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good, give, give good things to them that ask him? How shall we ask? How does an evil sinner like you and an evil sinner like me ask? May I suggest that we pray according to the very passage that we've looked at this evening. Look unto the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, I don't want to look to myself or anywhere else to be saved. I only want to look to your beloved Son to be saved and to be found in him. Lord, may he be found in me, for if Christ 
be not found in me. If I not be a new creature by the gospel, indeed the power of the gospel of your dear Son, I have no hope. But if it be thy will, Father, Christ in me shall be the all and in all of my sure hope of glory. I will wait for the God of my salvation. Our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, believing on your Son as the author and finisher of my salvation, believing on your Son and wholly leaning on him, I will wait for him whom your word, indeed your very word, blessedly declares that it is his to keep me from falling and to present me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Heavenly Father, grant me grace to do just that. If you would put me in Christ, I would be made to be his his wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, my only confidence is found in your very word that you, my God, will hear me. So where does this confidence come from? Where does this certainty come from that my God will hear me? It comes from looking to and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we don't come before our Heavenly Father in any self-merit, but only through the merit of His beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, being heard of our Heavenly Father through the perfect and sinless life of Christ, that through the shedding of His life-giving, sin-atoning blood, through the merit of His life and the merit of His death, His people are actually and really redeemed. Beloved, our standing, our acceptance with our Heavenly Father and before our Heavenly Father is in Christ. Our salvation is found entirely in Him alone. Beloved, believing sinner, we are accepted in the beloved Son of God. Our Heavenly Father accepts us in Christ and only for Christ's sake, upon the basis of His obedience, both the merit of His obedient life and the merit of his obedient and voluntary death as our substitute. Friend, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, <laughs> and I know we've received a lot of good gifts from one another, <laughs> how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Beloved of God, Look unto the Lord. Wait for the God of our salvation. Our God will hear us in, by, and through the sin-atoning blood and perfect righteousness of our risen Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ Jesus the Lord is the brightness of our Father's glory and the expressed image of his person. All things are held up by the word of his power. Beloved, he has purged our sins and has sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen.